0: Uh, I want to share another opportunity of God showing off that happened to me this week. Uh, it's 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 pretty amazing, and so I'm gonna do it one more time today. God showed off for me. Uh, actively, I've been involved a little bit more in children's ministry as we've navigated, uh, you know, uh, Tanya leaving and then the kids uh, coming back upstairs, and then leading a group of uh, 30 amazing volunteers downstairs and meeting with them and. And I, and I say random when I say randomly in these next couple sentences, randomly just equals divinely. I just say randomly. But randomly, I've been involved with the curriculum. I've been reading the curriculum every week, and I've been uh, working with some of the volunteers who are paring that down, and I've been sending the videos out to the teachers in the classrooms as we kind of are through getting through this transitional period. And so uh, randomly, that has been my job. And so uh, randomly this week, uh, I was w- w- hit play on the video, and randomly we are ending this series on First Timothy. So uh, this protege series that we've been in it was going to be First and Second Timothy, uh, and if you've missed it, we've been we've been in some uh, some some um, uh, amazing times of. Focusing on Jesus' supremacy in our lives, but also talking through the stuff that are in First Timothy that are hard. Uh, you know, that are gray areas in their are areas. Every week it seems like there was a scripture that I brought up that we as a church or even as humans, fallen people have used to shame or used to uh, to isolate or used to just used in the wrong way. And it seems like every week God brought one of those to us and we talked about so many things. Uh, in uh, sexuality, women in ministry, uh, serving, uh, you know, these, these areas of, like, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Like, these scripture verses that could be super shameful for us, but that in actuality, if we focus in on it, it's, it's actually a good thing. And so, but we've been in this series randomly of First Timothy, and we've been focusing on the relationship between Paul and Timothy uh, and the letters and all that stuff that's going on and and but the overall idea being Christ being the center of everything and ultimately wanting us to live that best life, the life that he desires for us to have. And so, uh, back to just how amazing our God is and how he works. I'm going to take you guys into the Sunday school classroom downstairs right now. Our elementary kids that were up here, plus the other ones that were down there, they're watching a video today. And so as we close our First Timothy series out and start our Easter series next week, this is the video that the kids are watching, randomly, again, randomly is divinely, randomly this morning.
1: A man named Paul wrote a letter to his friend Timothy. Paul was a follower of Jesus. He was also a missionary. That means that he went wherever God sent him and he told people the good news about Jesus. Now Timothy had traveled with Paul and helped him. Timothy was also a leader at a church. Now two letters from Paul to Timothy are a part of the Bible. And in that second letter, Paul taught Timothy about living for Jesus and how to help others live for Jesus too.
2: This is what Paul wrote. Hard times are coming. Some people will not live for God. They will love themselves and money most of all. They will be proud, unloving, and unholy. They will disobey their parents and live without self-control. Instead of loving God, they will do whatever feels good to them. Stay away from these people. They will never come to know the truth about God.
1: Paul reminded Timothy of two men Janice and Jabriz, who had challenged Moses in Egypt. They were foolish not to believe the truth. So Paul wrote, you know me well, and you even suffered like I did.
2: Everyone who wants to live for Jesus will face hard times too. Remember what you have learned and believed. From the time you were a child, you learned from scripture. The scriptures are able to give you the wisdom you need to be saved through faith in
1: Jesus. Paul knew that the Bible helps people live for God. He said, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. With the Bible, everyone who follows God can be ready and have everything that they need to do every good work.
2: Paul
0: wrote to teach Timothy how to
2: live for God. The Bible tells
1: us. So,
0: totally random, right? So that's our elementary school video that the kids are watching today. And, I, and I, in the middle of that, I thought, man, that's a little alarming that the video actually says uh, for uh, to stay away from people who don't know God. Now, it goes on to talk about, and we haven't gotten to 2 Timothy yet, but it goes on to talk about sharing the gospel and just how much Timothy was called to do that, and that's what the kids are learning downstairs today. And it ended with this idea of, like, randomly, again, divinely, we... Uh, we are ending this series, and the kids get this lesson in the books that we're studying up here uh, for this week, at least. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it was encouraging to me to be like, God's just showing off, and he's leading all of us kind of in that same direction of his glory in what he desires for each one of us. Uh, Josh, will you mute my computer that's in the front row? (laughs) It's talking over, and I'm like, "Ah," I'm going to get distracted. So that's the Sunday school bearing. Much like Paul and Timothy had this relationship with each other, that's the relationship that Jesus desires with us as well. Like he wants to relationally lead us into the places that he wants to share the gospel. And he gives us clear direction on how he wants to do that. Uh, Jesus himself was highly relational in the same way uh, Jesus approaches us this morning in a highly relational way. And there's a story in the Bible that falls at a time where, much like we gathered the kids together today, it falls at a time where Jesus, the, the, the parents of that time, were bringing the kids to Jesus. And, 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 uh, and, and Jesus was sitting there teaching just on the outskirts of the city, and the disciples in that moment said— it says that they rebuke them That, to, to, that Jesus doesn't have time For uh, for the children And Jesus says No, 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 no You don't understand Yes, allow the children To come to me And and I tell you what When we were making the decision To have the elementary schools, school kids uh, Return to worship with us For a little while And then head downstairs I was so worried I was so worried that as adults, some of you would be like, "Man, it's really hard to worship up here with my second grader or third grader or fourth grader. Uh, I just don't get as much out of worship. But, and that was just me. That was just me, because last week alone, the amount of parents that texted me that were overjoyed with their children being up here for a few songs to worship, was just I was like S-, like another opportunity like God just showed off. God was like, "No, this is my desire." For us as a church. And so it's been super cool to see that. But at this time, the, the, Jesus says, no, allow the kids to come to me. And in uh, and, and, and another point in Matthew, Jesus says that unless we as adults, unless people are able to receive the kingdom like a child, they won't enter the kingdom. And for me, uh, and, and even thinking about that idea, it just brought out the simplicity of what God desires for us in entering into a relationship with Him and in entering into the joys of what is the kingdom and what He desires for us. Um, and, and what we tend to do as we grow older and have the responsibility and the bills and the house and the, the car and the kids and the job and the, all this kind of stuff, we get distracted. Yet our children, and they might have worries, you know, you, you saw them, like n- like only a couple of them raise their hands but to turn around and look at you guys and be like we all have worried about something but God says you know let's break it down and it it's simply uh, trusting in me that will eliminate that worry that will that will demuddy the water for us and just entering into that relationship with him. But as that was happening, I imagine there was a gentleman that had gathered in the back and had, had, had witnessed this teaching that Jesus was doing with the children. He was well-to-do, and I can imagine that he had kind of drifted into that teaching, and the people there probably knew who he was, maybe not by name, but definitely by status, as he had often kind of entered the city uh, uh, and bought all the best of spices and material goods that were at the market. And having uh, happened to him, what happens to most people when you encounter Jesus for the first time, when you have that intimate connection, that, that, that time where you, he makes sense to you, where he speaks directly to your heart, and, and you don't even know, it's like you're the only person there, but it, when that happens, something changes inside of you. And this gentleman that had gathered in the back of this lesson that was going on as the kids had slipped away, He presents himself to Jesus and wanting to know and understand more, he says, this kingdom, this kingdom, heaven, this eternal life, how do I get it? In Matthew 19, 16, it says he just came up and he said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What can I do? What, What good thing can I do to get this eternal life, this kingdom life that you talk about? And I think if if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we oftentimes look for that transitional angle. You know, the idea of like, what can I do to achieve what I want? So if the end goal is heaven, what can I do to get to heaven? If the end goal is, you know, I don't know, uh, whatever it may be that you desire in your life, what do I have to do? What steps do I have to do to get there? And this transitional angle is what this gentleman presents himself To Jesus with this question. And Jesus responds in verse 17, Why do you ask me about what is good? And Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And, uh, I love that in that verse, and we'll get into this Easter series here in a second, that there is one. There is only one that is good. And if you want to enter into that life, keep my commands. That, to me, actually does sound transi- tran- transactional as well. And the, the gentleman at that point asks, which ones do I have to keep? Like, what of the commandments do I have to keep? And, and, and then comes the list. Jesus actually lists, like, not you you can't murder somebody that you can't you can't enter into adultery or you you can't steal Uh, that you do not be a false witness that you honor your mom and dad and jesus begins this list that you love your neighbor and then at that this list that is coming up jesus gets interrupted by this rich man that had gathered and, and, and he says, oh, I've kept all of these commands. What do I still lack, he asks. But Jesus, then, after being rudely interrupted by the guy, continues the list. And he says in verse 21, Jesus answered him, uh, if you want to be perfect, go and sell off your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure... In heaven, and that's where we usually stop on that story. If you've if you've heard that story before, the rich young ruler, uh, or he comes, the, he comes to Jesus, and, and he asks how he can get to the kingdom of heaven, and then Jesus says you got to sell everything, and then it says that he uh, is sad and he walks away from Jesus. Right? It's like he, he's he's devastated, and, and he and he walks away from Jesus at that moment. But Jesus knows that this where this man's treasure is. And so, and that's why he actually continues the list. He says, you know, you may sell off all your things and your possessions, and, and then you will have treasure in heaven. But there's a last item on that list that I don't know about you, but for me at least, I've left it out because I've written it off like, well, that guy wasn't willing to sell everything off and follow, and, in, 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 you know, and give it all away, and then have treasure in heaven. But it says, and I just almost uh, blew my cover there, but it says this, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell off your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. Is how that that last verse ends. And as much as for me, I had always thought that the guy just wasn't willing to sell everything off, I question whether or not That in his status and who he was And and everything that he had accomplished in his life If if it wasn't really that he just Didn't want to give up his life And follow something other than what he desired Right Because Jesus gave the list of the commands And he said man When it comes to a to-do list I nail all of those But Jesus ends with this idea then, Then after you've nailed all those things I mean that's great That's a great life You're living the life Then come follow me And at that, the man was displeased, and he walked away from from Jesus. Right? Jesus says, lay whatever it is that you are chasing aside. Lay all the accomplishments that you've built up in your life, and come follow me. Until you're willing to lay that down and truly follow me, then you don't get the kingdom of heaven. You don't get to experience the kingdom of heaven unless you follow me. Now, we're not gonna strictly talk about today the financial side of money and, and this guy not willing to give up his stuff, the idea, but I, here's, what I do, here's what I do believe for us. And I think the church, just as mainstream culture in the world does this wrong, but I think the number one competition for our heart is money. I think in our culture, I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe for some of us in this room it's something else, but for the majority of people, I think the number one competition for our heart is money. And I think the number one blind spot for us as Christians is how we deal with our money. For 20, 21st century believers, I believe the number one blind spot for us is how we deal with our money. I was listening to a podcast this week about a a, a guy who said, uh, you know, what if our generation, if it's looked back on, and, you know, like we've looked back on generation after generation of people who have gotten something wrong with how to follow Jesus and, and how that works, they look back at us and said, man, how could they say they were believers, but did money just like the world does money? Did finances and materials, just like the world does it. Just like anything else in our life, there has to be a difference. Right? All right. So, but in this specifically, uh, he's addressing this idea of following Jesus. Of, of making that choice to follow Jesus. In, in 1 Timothy 6 through 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And this is 1 Timothy 6. It's the end of the Timothy, you know, Timothy 1 that we've been looking at. Um, For the love of money is the root of all evil Some people eager for money Have wandered from the faith And pierced themselves with many griefs And it's that in part of that verse That I want to key on here Not necessarily the finances Because just like finances or uh, material items And we'll get to lists of things I'll provide you with plenty of opportunity For you to be like, oh, I can relate to that one That's where I struggle But uh, it's the idea of uh, wandering from the faith and piercing yourself with grief, and that happens when we follow anything other than Jesus in our life, for whatever area that is in our life. Right? When the key is that we wander from the faith uh, in the "Follow Me" portion, where Jesus says, "No, follow Me in this. Follow My lead in this part of your life. Follow My direction, My truth." Right, it said in the Sunday school video that God provides the truth for uh, for training and building up and, and, and for us to understand the way of life. Like, follow my truth when it comes to these. Right, and and, and actually, out if we boil it down, money, wealth, like that that side of things, pretty much is tied to almost everything in our lives. Right, everyday living, uh, it's tied to status, it's tied to accessibility. Like, it seems like, at least the way the world does it, the more money you have, the more access you have to whatever it is that you want in your life. Toys. I love hobbies and toys. The more money I have, the more ability I have to experience hobbies and toys and play, right? Functionality, lifestyle, sustainability, housing. What about gas, right? I mean, if you haven't read a meme or a post about the gas prices, like, I mean, driving our cars, people are choosing now not because of a pandemic to stay home. They're choosing to stay home because they don't want to pay five bucks a gallon in gas, right? Like, money is tied to a lot of things. And, and then just follow that story with the, with the rich man there. Jesus said in verse 23 and 24, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich To enter the kingdom of heaven And this is because Of what is uh, 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 Attached to the idea of money It's not like if you have a lot of money You're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven It's what we attach to the idea of wealth and, 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 uh, and status And all that kind of stuff That's what keeps us from the kingdom of heaven Because we've wanted to achieve so much Right Again I tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I love that verse because, actually, in, uh, when I first came to know the Lord, I had two buddies of mine, twin Josh and Caleb. They had a band, and the band was called Camel Through a Needle. It was pretty cool. Anyways, but I love that verse because that idea of, like, shoving a camel through the head of a needle, right? Like, that's impossible, Right? And there's actually a lot of several different uh, potential explanations for camels and needles of that time and and culture and how it works. Uh, But for our day and age, that's just crazy to even think about. Um, But uh, it could have meant anything in those biblical times. However, all of the ideas and lessons behind this is this idea that Jesus said that it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven because of the implications of what's attached to the idea of wealth, and status, and those things, and and and, and the uh, the degree of attention we give to those things in our life. So whatever it is in your life, whatever it is in your life that you can't let go of, that just doesn't fit, uh, and and we use it to measure you the things that you use in your life to gauge how and uh, and and. Uh, how we do life or where we do life or who we do life with. Like, those things in our lives that that we've established, that we've built up, that we've allowed to grow bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives that we hold tight to. And especially during these times, this idea of, like, uh, of comfort and a personal value— uh, um, in, in relational status. It even causes us to hold tighter to those things nowadays, having gone through what we've gone through in the last couple years. But these are more than just the day-to-day life skills even. Right? For us, it could be this idea of fear, that we've allowed fear to grow in our lives to a point where it's bigger than whatever it is that we, you know, the pursuit that we have of God or self-esteem or, or self-control when it comes to addictions and and, and, and and downfall and poor choices. They grab a hold of us and we don't even realize how big they've become in our lives. That we can't actually hold on to them and experience the kingdom of God. Right? They become our pursuit. They become all-consuming. The the question is, is what have we allowed to consume us? To be our focus. We pursue so much of our lives that we ask these questions that spin us to a state of, like, of, 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 of what people think and how they think, what, uh, what someone sees, or no one understands me, or does anyone truly get me? Does, does one desire to be with me? Does anyone desire to be with me? Does, does, anyone, does anyone love me? And that's the focus we're going to have for our Easter series is this idea of there is one. There is one that does. Check out this, this video. And that's our focus for Easter in this idea of there is one. There's one baptism, one faith, one hope, one one we can trust. One Savior. There is one resurrection. There is one defeating of the grave. There is one who cares. There is one that desires you to follow him in all the aspects and areas of your life. 1 Timothy six eleven through 13 says, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness. This is on the heels of that verse of—it of, talks about wealth, but this verse alludes to flee all of it. Everything that's attached to it, flee all of it and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in that sight of God who gives life to everything. End of Jesus Christ. See, for us, there is one who is enters into all that that gives life to every aspect of, of our life that, he, that we allow him to be a part of. There is one, and that's what we've been talking about in this First Timothy series of the supremacy of Christ. In Genesis, Jesus, the Lord, was present at creation. Scripture tells us that the Lord breathed, God breathed life into man. And then all throughout Scripture, God breathed life into and revealed His purpose and meaning, giving life to His people all from table of contents to maps. Like, He continued to give life to those that trusted and put their faith in Him. It's about letting go of the parts of our lives that we've focused on and lost focus of what God desires Or what Christ desires for us It's this idea of being So finite and focused Our attention on Jesus It's, it's like uh, And, I, and I, I just came up with this analogy like On the side But it's like blinders but the opposite of blinders That we're so focused on Christ That he actually reveals everything else to us That he makes He gives purpose and meaning and clarity To everything else Because we're so focused on him And here's the deal, we don't even realize that it's mainly because the things of this world and the earthly things in our lives have, have, have kind of just like infiltrated, have kind of like worked their way into a point where we don't even realize the, the, the presence and the, the uh, authority, the, uh, the, the, the actual um, ground we've given it in our lives. We don't even realize it until it's taken over, it's, it's consumed us. I have uh, had the opportunity to do a lot of, uh, or a handful of funeral services and actually walk people through the loss of a family member, and uh, and I, I, in, in, in to hear uh, people talk, and I don't want to downplay this at all, but to hear people talk about so-and-so who went to heaven is now doing whatever it is their hobby, that they love doing here on earth, and now they can do it in heaven. I don't know. I don't know how biblical that is. Like, if you love riding horses, and you don't get a lot of ride a lot of horses here on heaven, here on earth, then you go to heaven, you're going to ride a lot of horses. Like, I don't, I don't know that I'm going to get endless supply of ribeye steaks in heaven. Uh, <laughs> I, joke about, I joke about the idea of, like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to check out all the DVDs. Like, I joke about that. But, but here's the deal. And Go back and watch. Here's the deal. S- scripture isn't incredibly clear to us as exactly what heaven's going to be like. Streets of gold, mansions, uh, you know, free of tears, pain, um, plenty— there has, actually is in there, it says plenty of food. It doesn't specifically say ribeye steaks, but, uh, but here's the deal. It is, it is all for His glory. It is all for His glory. And so the things on earth that we are so incredibly joyful to be a part of and ex- experience in our lives— like, the joy that we have in that times that by, like, infinite time-age, like, to the one millionth squared or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> Colby, the mathematician in our house, is laughing in the back. Um, but, but that's just it. Like, the joy that we have here on earth compares nothing to the joy that we'll receive in heaven, even free from doing the things that we really love to do, that we think when we get to heaven we're going to do that every day. Right? Because, because the deal is heaven is the absolute the absolute best spiritual, and I it's even I don't even like this comment, but it makes sense. Heaven is the absolute best spiritual oneness with our God, the creator of all things. So it's it's like it's, it's when when we get to heaven, we get to be at one with the creator of all things. And we get to understand him in a way that we've never understood him before. We get to relationally connect with him in a way that we've, like, like we've gotten glimpse of Jesus, of God showing off here on earth and like a revelation at times that God's given us on a certain situation or a certain uh, experience or thing, like times that by a million and we get that level of oneness in relationship with being with our creator. And that, that is ultimately because uh, here's the deal, we're all spiritual beings, right? Like, I mean, you can't find very few people on this earth that don't say, well, I'm I'm kind of spiritual, you know. But 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 in doing that, what we get is we get the absolute greatest experience we can have with the one that created everything. That spiritually is present in all of us through his spirit. Like we have a list of things that make us happier here on Earth. Like, if we could accomplish this here on Earth, we would be happier, right? Money's probably up there a little ways, right, on that list for us. But, uh, but ultimately, if we can accomplish these, these things, uh, anything earthly here on this planet... We think we'd have a better life, whether that be smarter, skinnier, better looking, bigger house, more reliable car, uh, a better marriage, uh, less teenage drama, more security in our lives. Like, whatever that—I mean, you can have a list of things that you're like, man, if I could do that, I would feel so much better about myself. All of those things are met by one. That there is one that actually can accomplish whatever it is we're chasing after— When it comes to the list of things that we want Here on earth There is one that Actually will enter into that Whatever that void that we have That feeling that we have And enter into that with us And give us exactly what we're hoping for In that And that that list of things isn't bad Like most of the times The things that we list in our lives they aren't like evil things that we're pursuing, hopefully. Right? Many of them are helpful and useful here on earth. But separate from our creator, separate from the author, separate from the one that actually gives everything meaning and purpose, they are the camel that we are trying to shove through the eye of a needle that is literally impossible for us to accomplish whatever it is what we're trying to accomplish and chasing after that. Right, does that make sense? That, that, that as we head into this Easter series, this, this, this uh, season of, 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 of really understanding the work that Jesus did on the cross for each one of us, that those areas of our lives that we're looking at that have come to mind, that have presented themselves, like those are the areas of our lives that Jesus did the work for us on the cross for. The things that we grab a hold of and try to accomplish on our own are the things that actually Jesus said, you know what? I'm with you. I've given my life for those things because you haven't trusted me in them, and in a sense, they've separated us from each other. I've given myself for that, and I've actually given you my spirit to lead you through those things. And so as we enter into this Easter series, uh, I, I, I want us to just... Be aware of the things in our lives that have presented and taken up so much ground, so much attention, and so much focus. And for us, in in this idea, even this idea of there is one. The greatest thing about there is one is that the the one that we're talking about is equally present with each and every one of you through whatever each and every one of you uniquely are dealing with in your life right now. Like, he desires to work through that intentionally with you. And that there is one, or this idea of one isn't actually uniform. There isn't, like, only one way that there's there's one that if there's oneness in Christ it, it, let me let me backtrack on that comment Jesus is the one and only savior there isn't multiple but in us individually how he works through this and what he does is unique to each one of us that oneness doesn't mean sameness for everybody that uh, oneness means that, uh, that together, as the church, one church, one universal church, together as that church, we all get to agree that whatever we've got going on in our life is second fiddle to Jesus. That we can, uh, we can discuss all this stuff, but, but giving it up to Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, there is one thing we'll agree on, that he is more important than any of it. And then leading from that, we get to possibly even differ on some things and learn from each other and grow with each other in everything, in other things. And because that's true, there's one church that we get to move together in. There's one direction that God leads us into, and that God actually desires to do more than anything we could ever imagine when it comes to your life and to my life. That when we actually trust in that, he is going to deliver better than anything we could ever imagine or chase after on our own. And so as we get into diving into this series, I want to pray a prayer this morning that it's, it's classified as a dangerous prayer. And I'm not going to force you to pray it with me. You can agree with me or not, but I'm going to pray for more. For each one of us. That we look to God, I'll invite the band to come forward. We look to God for more in our lives. That more being our centered focus on Him and what He desires. So I'm going to pray, and you can uh, agree with my prayer, or you can say, you know what, God, I don't know that I'm ready to trust you with more Because the things in my life that I've worked for to accomplish, I don't know that I can let them go yet. But I want to encourage you to start that journey with him. Start that journey with allowing him to take the things in our lives that we've built up and allowed to take serious ground. All right, will you pray with me, Lord? Lord, I admit that. there have been so many things in my life that I have held on to, that I've been reluctant to give away, that I have, quite quite frankly, taken credit for. And so this morning, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your willingness to stay here with us, to uh, enter into a time with us, where you make it uh, obvious that those areas of our lives are not what you desire, Lord. Not, not, not the exact actions of those areas, maybe in some cases, but just the idea of doing it on my own. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that uh, that we have these tough conversations around the areas of my life. Our lives that that we've allowed to uh, separate us from you, Lord, and it is our desire, it is my desire, that I connect with you at a level in all the areas of my life where, like your word promises, that you will provide, provide for every need, or that you will lead us through and strengthen us and comfort us where we need that, Lord. That you will lead us through and bring us joy. Lord, ultimately to glorify you. Lord, I specifically pray for each one of us here in this room and those that are gathered online, those that will watch this throughout the week. Lord, right now, I pray that I would be willing to give whatever it is that has come to mind to me this morning up to you and have the conversation with with you about what you desire ultimately to do with it, Lord. Lord, as an act of worship, we give our lives to you. We desire to hear from you, Lord. I want to pray this in your name. Amen.